Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 230, the big 230 of the Alamo Auto Podcast, brought to you by the Republic of Football Podcast Network. This is your host, Jared Thomas, joined by my coach, Adrian Mutis. Adrian, how are you doing on this cold and balmy day before Halloween? What, is, it, is it Hallow's Eve? Is that what you call the day before Halloween? Hallow's Eve, I believe you're Hallow's correct, Eve? sir. Yes, yes, October 30th. Very spooky, spooky season with the cold, rainy dreary weather coming in and sort of complimenting Halloween. I feel like this happens pretty regularly that we get a cold Halloween. Thanksgiving is always hot. Halloween is always cold. Right. And uh, Christmas is kind of like 50, 50. You never know what you're going to get. Yeah, man. It's uh, it's I'm hoodied up. We're both hoodied up today. I turned the, I turned the heater up this morning. It was, it was chilly, chilly dogs. Haven't even stepped outside today. Yeah, man. Well, it is football season for sure. This is football weather, and it doesn't ever really feel like it's fully football season until UTSA and North Texas fans start fighting each other on Twitter. And it's that time. Hey, it is rivalry week, baby. The I true Taco, rivalry. Taco Joe tweeted like UNT hate week or something like that right when the clock hit zero against East Carolina. It, it was truly <laughs> amazing. Man's on a mission. Thankfully, we didn't look too far ahead on the schedule and, and start circling yeah. UNT too early because uh, ECU, man, what a wacky, gritty, just just a, a bone mm-hmm. hard, tough game. It was it was chippy, dude. It was an extremely chippy game. But yes, man, I'd expect just the same in Denton, Texas, if not even chippier, not even grittier. So yeah, I had man. a great I had a great segue lined up to our podcast sponsor, and then he jumped into ECU and now got to recover. I'm so sorry. I was like rubbing my hands together like, oh, man, this this is going to be perfect. But, you know, I said that, uh, you know, people have been on a mission with the rivalry talk. They're not the only ones who have been on a mission. Also, this podcast sponsor, UTSA Giving, has been on a mission raising money for UTSA students as part of the Battle of the Birds so I really hope this turns into an annual tradition, really cool thing that brought UTSA and North Texas together. So it's a fundraising challenge that'll run throughout the rest of the week. So UTSA and North Texas fans are competing to have the most donors donate to raise money for both universities. And you can support whatever you want. There's so much stuff like on the UTSA side, there's athletics, of course. If you're upset about the student fee not passing, here's your chance to put your money where your mouth is and throw some money into that pot. Uh, Individual fundraisers for colleges and different programs, you can just donate to the general need fund as well. Uh, But what's really cool is the winner of this battle will receive an additional $10,000 that will go to the student food pantry on the campus of the winning university. So win or lose on Saturday, everybody wins. This is awesome. Uh, and it is close. It is a close battle. When I checked this morning, UTSA was way up. They had like $10,000 raised to nothing on North Texas. And then UNT launched their uh, big marketing campaign and, and they pulled forward. I think they had 16K last time I checked. But Ooh. the winner is the number of donors, not the total amount raised. So if you're not in a position to give $1,000, $100 right now, don't sweat it. 20 bucks, 5 bucks will help UTSA win this battle and oh, wow. uh, hopefully also get some momentum to the football team heading into Saturday. Oh, wow. So whatever you got, you could throw it in. It's, it's the number of people, not the number of dollars. So that's correct. Whoever's correct. got the most donors wins, not the most donations. 
Yeah, and if you're a North Texas fan listening to this, just pretend you didn't hear that. Don't don't go don't go telling people. <laughs> but yeah, well, I'm really excited. What, what what a cool initiative, man! I love this kind of like alumni engagement. It's great. Yeah, man, that's fantastic, and I think that's something that gets people excited, especially whenever you center it around a rivalry week, a game against UNT. That really gets people going because now we have an opportunity to get one over on them not just on the field, but the alumni a little more personal off the field mm-hmm. as well. So that's really cool. And we're super excited to be partnering with UTSA giving on this as well. Yeah, definitely. We, we've been, you know, real close with them for a long time. Appreciate the support and uh, happy to help promote such a great cause. And did you see the logo they made for the battle of the birds? The thing is so cool. The freaking dollar sign with the, <laughs> with the silhouettes of the, of the bird heads. On the, <laughs> that was amazing, man. I don't know if that was yeah. a North Texas or UTSA design yeah. or what, but man, that's, that's amazing. Great job. Great job. Impressive there. stuff. Yeah. Impressive stuff. So is, is battle of the birds sticking now? Is that what we're calling this matchup on the grid? Like, yeah, they have the URL. So we'll see. So yeah, you go to battlethebirds.com if you want to make a contribution and there's a button for UTSA. Uh, also, if you're on our website, alamoaudible.com, we have a banner ad up there and you can click that to go uh, to make your contribution as well. Beautiful. That's beautiful. Great stuff. All right. Well, I'll uh, I'll pivot back to, you know, your lead in on the ECU game. And, you know, you mentioned that it was really chippy, really intense, really gritty. Uh, this absolutely lived up to the trap game billing. And I don't think that UTSA has gotten enough respect from its own fan base of how well they handled this challenge. This game had upset written all over it, like just on the field, right? Uh, East Carolina came up fired up, man. They threw the playbook out the window. Uh, they were throwing the ball deep. I, I mm-hmm. think for the first play, they had like a 30, 40 yard attempt. Uh, yep. They were super aggressive on defense. They were trying to get under UTSA skin. I'm, I'm really impressed and really proud of the way that UTSA handled this challenge. And I think a lot of less championship mentality teams less veteran teams would have fallen into the traps that ECU laid out for the roadrunners and for the most part UTSA did a great job avoiding it playing their game um, and making the best of every opportunity presented to them on the field yeah yeah and ECU didn't just get at UTSA you know emotionally getting under their skin getting chippy you know they also brought it on the field at the end of the first quarter Jared this is 17-14 East Carolina lead UTSA is down. Into the first quarter, you're talking like after the first hour and a half of football? The 55-minute long first quarter. I think it was the longest regulation length game I have ever watched for UTSA. It it had no flow to it. It was terrible. I I left that game thinking they have got to do something about the rules of college football because if this continues, because it's not just a UTSA problem. You see this all over the country. But if this continues, man the game is going to suffer for it. Like I was, man, if you're a casual fan sitting through all these reviews, all oh. these penalties, all these replays, all these advertisements, it is not a good game day experience. It's one thing when you're sitting at home and you can flip to another channel or check, scroll your phone. Cause you got Wi-Fi reception or whatever. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm really worried about the future of college football. If, if this continues to hold up, it was, it was a big problem. It was rough. It was really rough. And so I've actually had reports of this same, length of gameplay uh, after the army game, but that was a national broadcast game. So I figured, you know, commercial time is going to be longer, but watching this game, the commercials were outrageous. There was enormous gaps in between play during the dead ball. And uh, even watching the replay earlier today, like, you know, I'm doing the thumb fast forward on my phone and I was shocked 
how many times I had to press fast forward to get through each commercial segment. Like the the is painstakingly long football games, man. Um, you can't have that. And not only that, but how hard is it for the players and the coaches mm-hmm. to stay locked in? Like the mental fortitude to be able to withstand that long of a game. It's kicking your butt. Here's my proposal. You can have all the reviews you want, but every review, you got to make a decision in 60 seconds. Either the play stands and you don't have enough evidence to overturn it, or it's so obvious you overturn it within a minute. Go about your day, right? I, I think like I read that Cricket has introduced that review system and it, it like it's awesome. Like they someone disputes something, you go and then boom, you know, you have a decision and you can even fit, you know, a short 30 second ad clip into that. So it's not like you're completely yeah. losing out on advertiser money, but Oh man, that was it was a brutal, brutal watch. You, and, you know, I, I day tripped it for this game from Houston. The first time I've ever done a day mm. trip for a game in San Antonio. And here I was all, you know, cocky. Oh yeah, I'll be home before nine o'clock, you know. <laughs> oh man. Leaving the Alamo Dome at nine o'clock. <laughs> I think I did. 2.30 game. It's crazy, dude. Yeah, man. Yeah. I love that. I love that idea, Jared. You know, it, you should be able to tell definitively through the replay and the and the three or four different angles that you have whether or not that call should go one way or another. I mean, mm-hmm. if the casual fans sitting at home could tell based off the replay evidence, the referee, the officiating crew should be able to tell immediately. Plus, you know, they got radios in their ear. They they got guys up at the booth that are yeah. also replaying and watching. I mean, you know, we got to make that call quicker, man. But especially the officiating crew has to be able to identify. But I don't know, Jared, because this officiating crew and uh, kind of a concentration that on both sides. A little bit all over the place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. You know, I saw a lot of UTSA fans complaining about the officiating. But I feel like if I was an ECU fan, I'd probably be even more upset. I thought they got more you know, 50, 50 calls that didn't go their way or just bad calls. Yeah. Um, you know, something that I haven't seen a lot of people address was there was a run from ECU where they blew the runner down. And I think he was down. I think his forearm hit the ground, which counts as, as going down. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he would have had a touchdown and they didn't even review it. They, I think that was the end of the drive or they went on a punt or something like that. And then of course there was that play uh, in the end zone where Cephas went up and I, I thought it caught the touchdown. I still do. Uh, but as he, got that toe down, the defender had hands on the ball and they kind of rustled out of bounds and ECU came away with it. Uh, but I mean, that, that was just a total cluster because yeah, yeah. <laughs> even, even if it's not a touchdown, it's just an incompletion. The ECU well, defender obviously did not control the ball in, in bounds. No chance, yeah, no awful. chance. And, and, and what was really wacky about it was that it was called a touchdown in real time yeah. And then as UTSA's PAT crew comes out to kick the field uh to, to kick the point after, they reverse their call without even reviewing the play. So it's signaled a touchdown. UTSA celebrating, PAT crew comes out, and then Ruffy says, No, wait, hold on. Actually, it's an interception. Yeah. What the hell? So so before we even got the replay, we're we're changing the call. So the two referees that were standing right there both call it a touchdown. Some other referee on the other side of the field decides it's not. And since when have referees allowed 
the the college football player to influence the decision that they're making on yeah, the it, field. It, and that went our way too, because Frank asked them to review targeting twice and they did it both times. And I don't think either time it, it was a legitimate targeting call. Never. No, not at all. It, it was not egregious. Like Frank got rocked. You know, it was a dangerous no, or anything like that. No. Like, the refs had to have a bit more of a spine and be like, okay, we're going to play on, but I'll keep an eye on it. You know, I like, mean, if, if you're a referee, like, you know, I mean, this isn't, Kobe Bryant coming up to you and yelling about the call, right? This isn't Greg Popovich coming up to you yelling about the call. It's not even Jeff Trailer. No, it's it's right. the, it's the college athlete playing the game right, right, coming right. at you and yelling at you about the call. And now you're scratching your head and, and trying to figure out what what the right call was. No, dude, that that's wacky. Um, it's unprofessional, even you know. I mean, like, yeah, I think I think having a spine is the perfect way to put it. You got you got to make that call and stand by your call. You're you're the you're the umpire here. You you are the officiant. I don't know. want to spend too much time talking about officiating. It's old hat or whatever. But I also think the refs did a poor job of managing how chippy the game was. Yeah. Um, maybe that's because they didn't expect it to be that kind of like intense physical game. It's not a, a rivalry by any means. These teams have really played each other. Uh, but I thought there was a lot of um, after play, you know, interactions that probably could have got flagged and, and didn't. And I think over the course of the game, that kind of, created that kind of hostile environment or whatever where where guys were you know taking shots on both sides and talking crap after the whistle and of course that culminates in a full-on brawl uh down there in the red zone where mm. Terrell Haynes got ejected um and then I think there was a penalty on Tatafu as well yeah. I mean it was just ugly stuff like I, I always feel like anytime it gets to that point where there's a brawl like that the rest didn't do their job to prevent that from happening because those things just don't happen spur of the moment. It's always like you build up that frustration over the course Absolutely. of the game. And it just kind of the the steam comes out of the tea kettle at some point and it, it boils over. Absolutely. Absolutely. There, there are high emotions in this game, Jared. You know, you there's there's a first quarter targeting penalty, a legitimate targeting. Well, even then, I think maybe by the rules. Yeah, yeah, by the rules. Uh triplet. Ronald Triplet, yeah, yeah, gets ejected first yeah. quarter for targeting. Um I think by the rule, yeah, probably was the right call. Mm -hmm. Although he sort of didn't, uh, I don't think he intentionally targeted it. It more so, you know, you know the, the body was turned. I think Alex Flynn's body turned the the right way at the right time to have that targeting be yeah. called against Triplet. But you have that, and then you have a couple of enormous plays get get knocked off um, by by way of big gains. UTSA, Alex Flynn, and, and ECU's offense going downfield, making some good plays happen. And it gets a little bit chippier. And then Frank Harris has a scramble where he comes off the sideline and bangs heads with a, with a dude who flops after the play. Yeah. And so, like, the chippiness is building gradually. And then, yeah, you get that brawl, but you're right. The referee's got to keep that emotion in control if the players can't keep it in control themselves. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I think, absolutely, Jared, that was a, a part of ECU's game plan. Not to go out there and play dirty or anything, but to go out there right, and, right. and rough house and be Muck physical. It Muck it up, Muck man. it up, absolutely. Absolutely. And and UTSA, to, to have the wherewithal to stay disciplined, which which they did get under our skin. We talk about the brawl, right? We, we let our emotions fly a little bit. Frank Harris yelling at referees and mm -hmm. coming up and, and headbutting dudes after, after uh, coming off the sideline. So, yeah, it got in our heads a little bit, but we stayed composed enough that whatever the ball was snapped, we didn't have really any crucial mistakes in that regard. Mm -hmm.
Big, big indicator of the mental focus for me was when Frank threw his worst pick six of the year, his yes. third one, but definitely his worst one as far as like his decision making on that play. Um, and then, you know, from what we've seen of Frank typically when he has a really bad mistake like that, he'll double down, triple down and, and do some other, you know, ill-advised stuff. Uh, he didn't do that at all. They came back and they scored right away on that drive, I believe. I don't have the drive chart in front of me, but. Um, it, it did not shake the focus or the resolve of the offense whatsoever. They they went on to just continue to uh, really take care of business. And I thought that was a really good, um, I guess, data point to show that this team was pretty locked in. Uh, they did not eat the cheese and not take ECU lightly. And again, I'm just really happy with how the team competed. Yeah, definitely so. Definitely so. And uh, they knew they knew ECU was going to come and give them a hard time. Look, it's a, it's a good it's a good team, man. They've they've just got a lot to figure out, and then they're slowly. F- getting those kinks worked out. It was funny on the broadcast. Uh, commentators are actually talking about an interview that they had with Jess Lepp, who said um, that he was scared. He was scared mm-hmm. of ECU because most of their damage had been self-inflicted throughout the season. And all they had to do was correct a little bit of those personal issues and mm-hmm. those guys could roll. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we saw in this game, ECU is not a good team. They're not going to an offense, but they have some good skill players for sure. Uh, Chase Sewell played really well. Um, you know, I was kind of debating with, with some friends because I, my understanding is it kind of came down to UTSA would have to take Chase Sewell, the transfer portal coming from Colorado, or Willie McCoy coming to Juco. And I don't think that there's a clear choice between the two, which is, I think, a testament to Sewell because he's he's only a freshman or sophomore. Mm-hmm. Um, I think he played really well. That number eight running back, I think it was, real, real short guy, was really fast. He was a, he was a ball player. Um, so, I mean, I think this team had some pieces for sure. And I think Jess Lepp's quote does does make a lot of sense where I could see this team putting it together at some point. But um, obviously with the start of the year they've had, it's it's tar- uh, really tough to find that mental fortitude. Yeah. And and on that note, I thought Alex Flynn was 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 pretty damn good throwing the ball. Yeah, he decisions. was serviceable. He had some really bad misses. Really, He had some bad. bad misses. He threw some good balls too. Yeah, he was serviceable. Right. But, but I think with was... a better offensive line and, and some better play calling and stuff, they, I mean, they could put some points up. I, I don't see any problem with them being a 30-point-a-game offense in, in this conference. And I think the line of scrimmage was definitely um, pretty wild on both sides. You know, we, we saw Frank Harris get into a lot of trouble this week. UTSA's offensive line struggled. I, I think, like, no people aren't really talking about it because they put up 41 points. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frank did a good job of avoiding some pressure. He did a great job of, of just making his reads. Hit his check down pretty often. He was masterful running the run-pass option. Um, just like he's been, you know, for years now. And I think that helped alleviate some of the pressure or maybe made some of that pressure less noticeable because that mm-hmm. ball was moving. Right. Um, but when you go back and you break down the film and there, there's a lot of really bad plays from this offensive line, um, just missed assignments, guys not moving their feet, just all kinds of stuff that is concerning for sure. And they were able to, to get past that against ECU. But I mean, I was sitting there in the stands thinking, man, you know, this two lane defense, if they get these same looks that ECU is getting, uh, they're going to make the most of that. Oh, so baby. It's yeah. Gonna be cleaned up. Yeah, yeah. Frank Harris is in a lot of trouble. He got sacked four times. Yep. He got sacked four times against CCU. And same thing on, on UTSA's defensive side. We got Talex Flynn five times, five sacks. But you just saw a quarterbacks in a lot of trouble all throughout the game. And, and mm-hmm. Frank Harris had to scramble a lot more than we've seen him have to scramble all, all year long, especially in conference play. But, you know, he's gotten a lot better at making the decision to go and take that scramble whenever he has the opportunity to, or whenever he has to, but a good job of covering up what the line of scrimmage was getting wrong by way of getting rid of the ball, throwing the ball mm-hmm. away, 
or scrambling and even sliding on a couple of plays. Very, very impressed to see Frank Harris slide on some scrambles that he had. The thing I love most about Frank's performance in this game is the way he kept his eyes downfield, especially when he left the pocket. Because ECU was so aggressive, they were sending blitz, they were sending slants, offensive line wasn't holding up that well. They were doing a lot of rollout bootleg stuff for Frank. And, you know, UTSA is pretty successful in those, but they're usually hitting like Oscar uh, out in the flats or, you know, Josh is running a, a drag route or something like that. Uh, but this game was different in that Frank would pump fake and then look up and he would find that receiver streaking wide open. And that's how Josh mm-hmm. Sipa has got those two really long catches. One of them set a program record for longest touchdown reception in program history. Um, a lot of great execution across the board on that particular play and that long touchdown. Um, you know, Josh obviously did a great job extending and catching the ball, keeping his balance, running it for a touchdown. Uh, but the unsung hero on that is Taiki Kellogg. 60, 70 yards down the field, throwing a pancake block on a cornerback. And like, when you think about the trajectory of Tyke's, not just UTSA's career, his football career, this guy got kicked off the team his senior year of high school because he couldn't stay out of trouble. And then you see him make a selfless play like that way down the field. And I don't know, man, it's just, it's really cool as a fan to see guys kind of write their own stories and, and have, these awesome moments um, and, and put this like successful cap on their career. Uh, Tyke's emerges this season is one of the coolest storylines of the Jeff trailer era. In my opinion, it's, it's absolutely. been awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. He finally got some opportunity to get his run mm-hmm. and he's, he's absolutely made the most of it. Looks great. And yeah, no, tremendous, you know, Joshua Cephas on that 84 yard touchdown, that set a, that set a school record program record for the longest touchdown pass in UTSA history. How about that? 84 yards to the house. Yeah, the ECU and defense, they, they were feast or famine. They, they they really were. And I think, and yeah. I think, you know, by by way of necessity, all those big plays started to happen, you know. And mm-hmm. I, I don't think that happens if it's just a normal back and forth matchup. Uh, you know, you're getting success running the ball. We did not have very much success running the ball whatsoever. Yeah. Um, I mean, that that was like some of the most loaded tackle boxes we've seen people use against UTSA mm-hmm. probably going back to 2021. I mean, they, they loaded it up, right? There, there was nowhere to run. ECU's defense on their own accord uh, were solid. Even when they didn't load the box, they were still making plays uh, at the line of scrimmage in the backfield. Um, so, I mean, I thought the game plan was great for UTSA. They definitely scouted this team. Well, they didn't just, you know, bang their head against the wall, trying to, to keep running into these loaded boxes. And they even popped a few. Um, that long run that Rocco Griffin had, that was into like a, an eight or nine man box. Uh, yeah. So that, that was really impressive. Yeah. I mean, other than that 69 yarder from Rocco Griffin, ECU effectively eliminated the running game from UCSA's game plan. Steve Warren ran for like one yard per carry or something like that. It was rough, man. It was rough, yeah. man. Yeah. Yeah. Seven attempts for eight yards. Robert Henry, four attempts, 17 yards. Rocco Griffin, five attempts for 80. You subtract 69. That's 11 <laughs> yards on four attempts, bro. God, oh, man. Yeah. And, and Frank Harris has to has to scramble, you know, by, by way of scrambling or run pass option. Most of the time it was a scramble. He took off eight times with his feet. Um, so so the distribution was was very, very far weighted into the way of passing. Mm-hmm. And I think that mm-hmm. was because we really didn't have an option. They were yeah. able to take away that run game. And uh, we made the necessary adjustments yeah. to throw the ball and stick to throwing the ball. And by way of that, 
all of those big pass plays, enormous chunks of yardage getting out. And, and that was the big explosive offense that we wanted to see, you know, mm-hmm. and, and I think that does a lot for this team going forward, knowing that they have that big playability mm-hmm. in their pockets still. Dude, think back to the first like four weeks of the season. There was zero explosive plays from this zero. offense, complete turnaround. That's enormous, man. It's enormous. I think that's huge for for us going into a a hard November slate where you got to play a UNT, you got to play a Rice team, you got to play a Tulane team. You got to know that you have that ability, that you're able to do it, and 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 know that you've done it in the game already. Mm -hmm. We've we've mentioned Jess Lepp and Justin Burke a little bit, but I I think that this was UTSA's uh, best coach game from the coordinators. I thought Burke's play call were were great. Um, I, I saw criticism that they weren't running enough, but I, I don't think ECU gave them a, a choice in the matter. I mean, it, right. It, it's just insanity to run into a box that's that loaded up when those safeties are that close to the line of scrimmage. Um, but what I really liked was like some of the play designs, like on Ty Key's touchdown, uh, they had Oscar and Ty Key out split out wide. And then uh, they did like a fake screen where they'd fake a block and then go up. Both guys were wide open. And that's because they knew those safeties were going to bite on that screen. Look, so that's kind of been set up by the way UTSA was playing early in the season where they're throwing a lot of screen passes. Um, so it's cool to see the like the evolution of the offense um, and and just really them have a great plan uh, to take advantage of ECU's overaggression on defense for sure. I think this defense was very similar to Texas State's defense in that, you know, they're going to come at you hard. They're going to load the box. They're going to force you to make big plays. Um, and UTSA didn't do a very good job against that against Texas State. So to see them do it against a better defense uh, in ECU was really encouraging. I think it shows a lot of growth. And then to flip to the defensive side, you know, ECU came out with a different look than we've seen. They were more willing to throw the ball down the field. They were doing post routes, you know, go routes and stuff like that. Uh, definitely caught UTSA off guard a little bit. But one of my biggest criticisms of, of Jess Lepp throughout his time here as the defensive coordinator is that he's been very slow to adjust. Usually those adjustments don't come until halftime. When they go in the locker room, they can kind of talk things out with the guys. Uh, but against ECU, they made that adjustment pretty quick. I mean, I think ECU really only had like two or three good drives this game at the start. And then um, I think they, I don't know what exactly change they made. I think they were playing the safeties a little bit deeper. They changed some zone coverage. I don't know. Uh, but they bottled it up pretty quick. And, and that was great to yeah. see that quick response. Because, you know, if you don't make the change, you don't make the adjustment, and they get another two scores or whatever, uh, this game goes down all the way to the wire. So making that change quick. Definitely. Allows you to get that rotation in later in the game and get some guys off the bench, you know, bench Frank Harris, whatever. Um, so that was, it's great to see, man. Great to see. Yeah, I don't think Roadrunner fans relaxed until well into that fourth quarter, man, just because ECU was was being so dangerous and, and being so chippy. But you could tell that they were starting to run out of steam after the explosive first half that they had. Mm-hmm. But UTSA, dude, it's, it's the, the highest uh, yard total. On the season, the first time that we've eclipsed 500 yards this season, 515 total yards of offense. Uh, and, and that's by way of those massive plays and, yeah. and tremendous gains that you're getting up. Uh, but it's it's good to see. It's good to see the offense have a day like that, man. It, it really, huh. really is. Yep. And a uh, guy we haven't talked about yet, Trey Moore, set the, yeah. set the school record for sacks in a single season. He was, he was a bully out there, man. He The last two sacks he had, he sent the quarterback flying. My gosh, man. He just plays with, with a different animosity, dude, a different speed. He yep. hits extremely hard. I mean, it's like you can feel 
his tackles through the television screen, you know, whenever mm-hmm. you're watching him from the stands, you can feel what Trey Moore is doing out there, dude. It's scary. Uh, the, the guy just explosive. I mean, an absolute ball hawk. He seems to know exactly where he needs to be and he gets there. No problem. Uh, is, is UTSA going to be able to hold on to Trey Moore, Jared? Uh, no, cause he's going to go in the NFL. Immediately. I think, a, right? I think he's a second day draft pick right now. Absolutely. I think, I think absolutely, man. This guy set the program sack record with four regular season games left on the schedule. Jared. <laughs> yeah. And, and like some, not some, not great teams in front of him too. And it's you're probably going to get a, at least one postseason game. It's, it's, and it's not just the number of sacks, but it's the way that he's doing it. It's, it's mm-hmm. his performance, how he's getting back there. It, it's, it's tremendous, man. The dude is playing at a different level than his competition and and then his peers. When I do my film breakdown, sometimes I throw the play into slow-mo or like I'll reverse it and play it again or whatever. Uh, when I do those slow-mo breakdowns and Trey Moore is doing a spin move, it does not look like he's in slow-mo. It looks like regular speed. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. I will say, though, that since he's like really started perfecting that spin move, I think opposing offensive coordinators are seeing that and they're running at him. And when you do that spin move, it, it leaves you very vulnerable to the like quarterback draws, running back draws and stuff like that. Um, and we did see ECU hit on that a couple of times. Um, I think they also ran it uh, to some other defensive players as well. Um, I'm sure North Texas is going to do the same thing this week. So that's something that UTSA will have to keep in mind and, and just be careful. I'm not saying that you stop doing that because I, I do think the payoff is worth it. Um, but, you know, if that linebacker misses the tackle and you're not disciplined in those lanes uh, can can lead to some trouble for sure. Definitely, man. Big time, big time. But I think you're right. I think you got to enjoy Trey Moore for the month of November, Roadrunners fans, because last time you'll see him in that UTSA uniform. Yeah, you might not. You might not see him in December. <laughs> no, 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 man. He's already going to be in combine training mode, probably. Yeah, it's, it's been funny, man. I was doing message me, oh man, you think we got enough NIL money for Trey Moore? I was like, I don't know how much uh, salary money the Cleveland Browns have. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think people forget like how early you can go into the draft because right you know UTSA has never really had that problem before <laughs> yeah if you're very a retro sophomore you're good to go you can go in and i think you will very true yeah i hope he does i hope he does um a anything couple... else on ecu that we haven't hit i mean i think there's a couple honorable mentions worth as well on the defense you know um uh, Ken Robinson, Owen Pee, we I think also both had really, really oh, yeah. oh, strong games game. on defense. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, good call. But no, man, it was a it was a gritty win. It was a tough win, and um, very impressed with the mental fortitude. Also, really, really impressed with the way the offense really lit it up against ECU. Um, fantastic! It was a fantastic win. It was it was a, it was a good win, quality win, and now. Four and O in the American Athletic Conference standings. Hell yeah, brother! Going into November, holy cow, dude! I mean, what, what, what a tale of two months so far this football season from September to October, and uh, this team's firing right now, dude. And, and it looks like we are staying pissed off, as Jeff Trailer mm-hmm. has asked. Mm-hmm. One stat I wrote down that I forgot to mention: UTSA's defensive starters only allowed fourteen points. Because there was the pick six, and then ECU scored against the backups, like with twelve seconds left in the game, or something like that. Oh, that's right, that's right. The pick six, yeah, that's really, really juicy. Adrian, I guess we got to touch on 
the news item that has consumed the UTSA fan base this week. I don't want to really dive into it because we did a whole podcast episode about it and we unlocked it for free. It's student fee increased vote fails at UTSA. I I was getting really annoyed at the game. Every single person that came up to me at the tailgate or at the stadium <laughs> wanted to ask about the student fee vote. And I was like, dude, did a whole podcast about it, man. Like, we, told, <laughs> we told you guys what it was. Why are y'all surprised, man? Yeah. Yeah. It, it's also baffling to me that people just cannot accept the fact that students do not want to pay more for school. No, I was like it, trying to workshop a good analogy for adults, and I was like, okay, like I'm, I'm gonna workshop at life on the pod. But like, let's say you live in a neighborhood, you love your neighborhood, you want your neighborhood to to do great and be great, and your property value go up. Do you want your HOA fee to go up? No, no, you don't. You don't. No. As much as you want to have the the dog park and the slide at the swimming pool. Well, and that the was gonna be my second point. Landscape. If, if they're like. Right? We're going to raise the HOA fee to build a pool, to build a dog park. You might, you might, you know, yeah, yeah, I'll do, I'll do another 15 a month, whatever. Yeah, that's fine. But if they were like, oh, due to the rising cost of inflation and, you know. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. Oh, dude, they that's could go and shove it. They ah, could man, shove it. We yeah, spent whatever. an entire podcast episode going through the vote comparing it to previous votes, but but really the whole premise, and, and I think what really consumed that podcast episode is we talked about the campaign that UTSA administration was putting in front of the student body. We talked about the Everybody Wins landing page and the campaigning that was being done to rally this vote. And we we dissected and broke it down live on the podcast. We didn't go in there with like a ton of notes about UTSA's campaign. We were kind of getting our real time reactions to UTSA's campaign on yeah, that podcast, as if we were students finding about it and, you know, and through that website. Jared yeah. and I, by the end of that podcast, both felt that it was extremely flat. That it was an extremely flat marketing, an extremely flat voting campaign from UTSA's administration. Nothing was being sold. And so we weren't totally surprised. Maybe the ratio of 70 to 30, um, 70% of votes being no and only 30% being yes. Maybe that was a little bit of an eyebrow raise. Mm -hmm. But look, man, kids don't want to pay more for college. If you're going to tell them to pay more for college, you better give them a goddamn good reason to. And we yeah. did not give them a very good reason to, uh, according to that, everybody wins landing page. I, I guess so. like, the only thing that we didn't cover about the vote on our previous podcast is like the after effects of it failing. Um, I think people have way gone way overboard on the reaction to it failing. I don't know. People are acting like it's like the death of this athletics program or something like that. And I, I think that's just way, way overblown. Baylor's going to quit tomorrow. Start charging yeah. the students to walk in. No more free student admission. Yeah, disband Sosa. Like the tanks yeah, are flying, dude. It was wild. It was absolutely <laughs> wild. And, and and look, guys, here, like here's the truth, right? Like UTSA students already pay one of the highest fees in the country when it comes to the athletics support. Mm -hmm. It's already one of the most subsidized programs in the country when it comes to student support. Um, so I really push back on the narrative that the students like don't support sports or don't want to support support sports or whatever. Um, the budget keeps growing by leaps and bounds. It's like going up like 15, 25% a year or something like that. It's growing like crazy. The alumni support's going up, the fundraising mm -hmm. going up. 
I mean, I, I've heard there's some other big donations that are in the works that hopefully will be finalized and be announced soon. I mean, I, I think people are getting blown away out of proportion, way out of proportion. I still think there's a chance that there could be a fee increase in the future if it's tied to something tangible, but uh, people acting like, oh, you know, like this is the end of the road and stuff like that, I, I think is, is a bit silly for sure. I think it's just another perfect example of the fickleness of the UTSA Roadrunner fan. I mean, you know, we're, we're still so new to this thing. And uh, I mean, think back to having three losses in September. People were done with the 2023 football season, writing it off, start Owen, P, uh, start, start Owen McCowan the rest of the season, you know, just start getting ready for 2024 and move on to the next phase. No, man. I mean, look, and and, and I guess another part of this, when everything is going right, it's so, so hard for UTSA fan to swallow one thing going wrong. And it was Man, like unfathomable that something could happen wrong. Yeah, Greg and JJ had a great discussion about this in the recap video from the last game. I'm sure everyone that is listening to this has, has seen their videos on YouTube, which are awesome. I watch it every week. Um, but yeah, Greg made a great point that since he became the beat writer at UTSA, I think in 2019, 2018, this is, it felt like the first like surprise monumental loss for the entire <laughs> athletics department. Yes, yes, and, bro. I, I mean, I think like we've kind of gotten spoiled by success and and other times it would be easy to just wave it off. Like, yeah, you know, we're we're, we're going to keep going on this path. We're doing what we're doing. Uh, we're making progress. It's it's this would have accelerated, obviously. Um, but uh, wow, the takes, man. The takes I mean, Jared, fan. UTSA hey. fan has not felt true devastation in a really long time. When was the last time yeah. we were devastated by something yeah. that happened on field or off field for that matter for yeah. like like this for example off field right i mean gosh i think back to the drive against unt segue as we get ready to go back to denton baby let's go that's a good segue I, i'm glad you did it too because i was about to start going more to the student fee vote which is the last thing that i wanted to do i didn't <laughs> want to talk about on this episode so thank you for that before we take a cumbia break and start previewing the hated North Texas Mean Green, mm. do want to say thank you to our board of trustees members on Patreon. Also, as well, man, the game day chat on the Patreon app just continues to get uh, more and more fun and explosive each week. So, if you're a patron at any tier and you haven't downloaded the app, definitely do so. It's fun. Uh, scroll through the introduction channel as well. It's cool to see, you know, what everyone's doing, uh, their connections to UTSA and stuff like that. So, shout out everyone who's been particip participating there. Um, last week we did a bonus episode or actually a bonus video with Aaron. Uh, Aaron had the privilege of designing the Hispanic heritage helmet for UTSA. Um, so it was really cool to see his sketches and, you know, talk about how that came to be the process and all of that. Um, so definitely go check that out on alamoaudible.com. Uh, but without further ado, thank you to DigiTeek, John Otwell, Lando Perez of Los Dos Rowdy Tailgating, Gary and Rupin representing the UTSA Burger King Tailgate, Ray Redding and Meet Me Apparel. Brandon Grail in the Grail Realty Group, Andy Elizada, Proficient Benefit Solutions, Ian McClendon, a Secret LLC, Brandon Padrone, Ryan Squares, Waterman Construction, and a shout out to Mr. Andrew Waterman. I heard he was honored on the field at halftime. I was like walking around the concourse, but I was like, oh, I know that name. <laughs> so I don't, I don't know what the recognition was, but congrats either way. Uh, and then lastly, Chapon Townsend, who is the VP of the DFW chapter of the UTSA Alumni Association. So definitely we'll be seeing them out there in Denton this weekend. So thank you guys all for your support. We'll hit a quick Kumbia break and be back in just a second.
All right, Adrian. It's that time of the year, baby. <laughs> we we need we need a good name for this rivalry, man. Well, battle of the birds, whatever. We need to pick something, lock in on it, make a trophy. Both sides are ready to roll. Like we've been dating for a while. You know, we left a toothbrush at that house. Uh, we're starting about mo moving in together. You know, like it's getting serious. And and someone needs to make a proposal. Someone needs to get down on a knee uh, and make this thing legit. Man, this is the real UTSA rivalry. I know we love beating up on Texas State and it's a lot of fun playing patty cake with them. Ha ha ha. But this is the true blood rivalry for UTSA and anybody that knows and follows UTSA football for, for I guess, even just a year now, knows that the North Texas Mean Green is the real UTSA rival. This is a fantastic, I think it's the best, one of the best rivalries in Texas, if not the best rivalry in Texas. Uh, and, and here we are now for the very first competition in the American Athletic Conference. Stakes it just growing higher and higher, man. I mean, dude, this is, this is a bloodbath, and, and I'm so ready for UTSA to get their very first win in Denton, Texas since 2013. The Roadrunners have not won a game, not even just Denton, but in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex greater area since their inaugural trip to Dallas-Fort Worth, their very first time going to Denton in 2013, the famous freeze game, the ice game. And here we are now at 0-4 in Denton since then, 0-6 in DFW if you add on the two bowl losses in the area. We were talking about how hard it was for UTSA to win in Florida. Buddy, we can't even win in our own state. We can't even get a W in North Texas, South Oklahoma, whatever you want to call it. We cannot do it. I don't know what it is about that place, but there, I mean, I mean it's borderline a curse. If you could argue that it is a curse right now for this team to win a game in DFW. Beautiful job setting the scene. And I love that you've been such a champion of that stat about UTSA struggles in the Metroplex. But I feel like new people hear it all the time and they're just blown away. I mean, it's just, it's illogical that it would be like that. <laughs> it is illogical. It is illogical. Well, and you know, Jared, now what I'm trying to do with it is Give Trailer some bulletin board material for the race. I know he wants yeah. to stay pissed off. Here's some stats for you to get nice and pissed off about, Jeff. We can't win it, didn't, buddy. Get it done. Get it done. Well, I I think that this team really remembers that last road trip to Denton. I really do. A lot of these guys on the roster were there. Mm -hmm. And while, you know, they've had the wins over North Texas since then, one being a championship game, I still think, like, winning in that stadium – in Denton is still going to have some lore to it. Yes. Um, and I think a lot of the guys, I, I can just imagine, you know, like the Friday night before the game, it's like a team meeting and I don't know, like a Terrell Haynes or a Kalechi Wachuku, someone is going to stand up and be like, man, y'all remember they, you know, and they embarrassed us. They ruined our season, you know, not too long the perfect ago. Perfect season, and, the perfect season, 11 yeah. and 0, 11 and 0 going to the last regular season game on the schedule. And you don't just lose it. You don't even show up to it. You get embarrassed. TSA comes out looking really pretty in their orange ponchos, like super prissy Hollywood diva. And they just <laughs> get ransacked by these Denton dudes with no sleeves on, yep. letting the ice just hit their forearms and just taking <laughs> dudes down. And we just get 
destroyed on the road in that game. We don't play good in Denton, Texas. That was one of the worst, probably the worst overall performance that we've ever had there. I, I think it still is the worst performance of the trailer era. I, I yeah. think one of the games earlier this season, we said that it, it rivals that one, but I still think that that 2021 game in Denton is still the worst, For especially sure. when you compare expectations, talent level, all that stuff. It's yeah, yeah pretty rough. It was brutal, man. It was absolutely brutal. And so, yeah, a lot of the guys on that team are now still on this squad. No, man, I need like a players only meeting. Like I need some, I need some tables getting flipped over. Oh, baby. Trash cans getting kicked. Come on, dude. Like we need to be pissed off. Talk about stay pissed. And we need to get to another level of pissed whenever we go into Denton, Texas, dude. Nice, man. I like it. Well, you know, to talk about the mean green this year, I think everyone can agree they're much better than their three and five record. They had a really, 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 really bad start to the year. And uh, a big reason why I think they chose the wrong starting quarterback to start Mm -hmm. the season. Uh, They lost to FIU in week two, man. (laughs) People on GoMeanGreen.com are ready to fire him and and bring back Seth Luttrell after that one. And, And for good reason, there's no excuse to ever lose to FIU, much less to give up 46 points to FIU. Oh my gosh. God damn, man. Oh, oh. But yeah, first year coach, Eric Morris, familiar to a lot of folks that listen to this podcast, was the coach in Incarnate Word uh, when they started to, to turn things around. Um, I believe that he found Cam Ward. You know, he was a triple option quarterback um, from Cameron Yo, I think it was maybe some really, really small town and brought him into the camp. And like, hey, I see something in this guy and turned him into this crazy air raid quarterback who's now I think setting records up at uh, Washington state. So um, it's got the nose offense. He knows quarterback play and and he's got a good one in Chandler Rogers, man. This guy's a stud. He's a stud. 19 touchdowns to only one single interception. Dude's already thrown over 2000 yards on the season. Uh, It's, it's unbelievable what this guy is doing back there, man. And, yeah, I, I think you bring up a great point, Jared. And that's probably the main thing to know about this North Texas team. Don't let the record fool you. Like if you thought a one-win ECU Pirates team was way better than their record showed, this three-win North Texas team is definitely that and probably then some, you know, yep. ECU times two. This is, a, this is an extremely good team that, that had one possession losses to the top brass in the AAC, Memphis, and Tulane only lost by three points to Navy. Dude, they're scrappy. They're good. They have a really, really good offense. Jared, this is this is the uh the third best scoring offense in the American Athletic Conference at 35 and a half points per game. Third only behind Memphis and SMU in offensive scoring output. Yeah, dude, Roadrunners better be ready for this one because because UNT is gonna gonna come to play, and you know this game is circled on the schedule after being beat twice to the Roadrunners in the Alamo Dome last season. One of those being in a conference championship game. And I feel like it's really easy to get your team up for this game because you can go into locker room and like, look, guys, we we were one score away from beating Tulane, who's you know up there with the favorites in New Year Six, defending champion. Uh, lost to Memphis on a last second heave into the end zone. Mm. It's really easy to be like, look, UTSA is not as good as Tulane and Memphis. Not that I agree with that. That's what they're, they can tell their players that. Uh, so 
you know, it's, you know, let's just keep doing what we're doing and just tie it up a little bit. And then we're going to get this big win over UTSA. It's really easy to pitch that motivational tactic, I think, to the players uh, in that mean green locker room. So they're going to come out fired up, ready to play. It's going to be a great, great football game. Yeah, absolutely, man. And you could even point back to being one possession away from beating UTSA in the regular season last year, if it wasn't for the immaculate drive that Frank Harris led to Oscar Cardenas and then JT Clark in the end zone is times freaking expiring. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, if if they're the same teams facing each other, the same teams that have, that have been battling against each other, the Chandler Rogers, the new face at quarterback, the dude is a stud. And uh, I I think that with, with, and, and by the way, you know, we saw some, some pretty awful gaps in UTSA secondary against Alex Flynn and the ECU Pirates. Chandler Rogers got plenty of opportunity, plenty of potential, I should say, to, uh, dare I say, expose a lot of the deficiencies in UTSA secondary. Yeah, I want to talk more about Rogers. I think he's a, an excellent touch passer. You know, he doesn't have like this crazy cannon, like watch Michael Pratt throw the football and then watch – Rogers throw the football. It's it's not the same as far as like the um the spin on the ball and and the trajectory and stuff like that. But he does an awesome job of putting the ball in the spot where the receiver will catch in stride. And one of the best throws that he can make is a throw that is a lot harder than it looks and that a lot of college players struggle with. And it's that throw where uh it's like a like a deep in route, right? Where it's like not quite a post route but the receiver is running vertical for like 20 yards and then cuts in. And then they're going to be like right behind a safety or linebacker, depending on the coverage. And Rogers is awesome about putting that lift on the ball where it's like too high vertically for the defender to come to uh, contest the ball. Uh, But it's going to fall right into the hands of the receiver. And he makes it look so easy. And that's something that a lot of, a lot of players this level really struggle with. Um, And he's mobile too. I mean, he, he's pretty athletic. Mm -hmm. He can run. He had like a like a 70 yard touchdown run against Navy or something like that. I don't remember the details of it, but he's got some wheels on him, man. Yeah, yeah. And and, and he doesn't hesitate to to go and take those scrambles whenever he sees it open for him. Mm-hmm. He does a good job of reading the field. He's got a quick release. He's taken a lot of sacks this year, but I think that's more on the offensive line than him. Um, he really reminds me a lot of EJ Warner in that Temple game. That he's just a really savvy quarterback, knows the offense well, good touch passer. Um, and he's he's going to move the ball against UTSA for sure. Absolutely, they're they're going to put some points up. And uh, and he's got some some weapons there to to utilize, man. And some very familiar names for Roadrunner fans in, mm-hmm. in dealing with the Mean Green over the last couple of years. So running back Ayu Adei, really really salty run the ball. I think he's averaging seven and a half yards per carry right now. It doesn't get a whole lot of touches, uh, tentatives per game, but they've got sort of the the multi-running back backfield like how UTSA does mm-hmm. between uh, Adei and Oscar Attaway, third, another familiar name, and uh, and Isaiah Johnson getting a couple catch, uh, couple touches per game as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, uh, Adei and Attaway, that's a great one-two punch right there. Mm. Jeff Trailer said at his media roundtable, UTSA struggled to tackle these guys for like three years going now, and you know these guys haven't slowed down one bit. They're still incredible athletes um so those guys are going to pose an issue for sure and then out wide uh jamori macklin and roderick burns both yeah. absolute killers jamori macklin only a sophomore man yeah he's going for 18 and reception he's got 11 touchdowns on the year 88 receiving yards per game 
really salty Super stuff. impressive. He's going to give UTSA problems for a couple of years here. And yeah, Roderick Burns, that's, that's a more familiar name for, for, for Roadrunners fans. Um, guys consistent. Guys consistent. Mm-hmm. Always open. Yeah, I forgot uh, Macklin was a Missouri transfer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. Yeah. Gosh. Th- give me a thorn in our side, to say the least. But SEC talent. offensive line, not very good. They give up like eight sacks in Navy. They're giving up the most. So th- this is another cool stat. And shout out to our buddy, Maddie for coming up with, with this one. North Texas has given up the most sacks. And then on defense, they have generated the least number of sacks. Oof. Trenches are a problem over there in Denton. So I think Trey Moore is going to get to get off the quarterback a bit. They'll have some pressure. But I do think that Rodgers is a good enough quarterback that it's, it's not going to uh, be enough to completely shut the offense down by any means. I, I still think that they're going to get points. They're going to move the ball, even if the pressure is is all up in his face because um, he's elusive. He's got a quick release. But uh, obviously, you prefer to have some really good pressure on the quarterback than vice versa. Then it's got to be disciplined in making sure that they're not completely selling out in the blitz and leaving those big opportunities up there um, when Rodgers can escape that pressure. Yeah. Yeah, and, and and I think that's that's crucial for UTSA right there is to really blow up the backfield and, and make Rodgers have a very hard time, um, giving him very little time to make a decision, getting after him, be it by way of sacks or clobbering him whenever he releases the ball after the ball is released, which we've seen UTSA do to a couple of teams this season, namely UAB, Temple. Um, guys are really getting after it and, and limited – uh, you know, otherwise good quarterbacks uh, mm-hmm. and what they've been able to do. And so, yeah, I, I think that's the key. I, th- I think the pass rush is going to be enormous in deciding UTSA's fate and didn't. Yeah. And I, I don't think that they can afford to blitz a whole lot. I, I think the gameplay needs to be similar to that FAU game when they're going to send three, they're going to send four, maybe five and, and see what they can do with it. But I think sending mm-hmm. six guys is going to get you in trouble against this offense. Yeah, definitely. I mean, again, you know, with this this secondary does have some holes in it, and uh, UNT's got the got the horses to expose that, especially mm-hmm. between you know that Rogers Macklin cl- uh, connection. Yeah, that is one thing that ECU did not do a good job of when when UTSA said the house, they were very successful almost every time. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that's gonna be the case against North Texas, so keep an eye on that. But the good news, uh, this defense is pretty damn bad, Adrian. The run defense is among the worst, maybe the worst in the country. Uh, Memphis scored on the opening drive, and I was like literally laughing watching the highlight of the play in the Alma Dome because it just looked like no player on North Texas defense had ever played college football before. Um, just really ugly stuff there. They're not very well coached. I hope these words don't come back to haunt me. Um but uh, even talking to North Texas fans, I think they'll tell you that this defense is uh, not acceptable and, uh, and a big, big step down from, Will Phil, from when Phil Bennett was coordinating this defense and had these guys playing pretty salty. Yeah, total defense is, is last in the American Conference, 476 yards per game given up. And so, you know, between that and allowing 37 points per game, there's a lot of opportunity for UTSA to have the big play potential. But they are a disciplined team, Jared. UNT's got the least number of penalties in conference play hmm. so far this year. Interesting. Maybe yeah. they need more. Maybe they need to play with more fire on defense. A little more some, chippiness. Yeah, there you go. Foul, okay. You know, some personal. I love yeah. that take. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. 
Yeah. Oh man, any any North Texas fans listening, let me know if you agree with that one. <laughs> the advanced stats don't like them either. They are 127th in the country in total EPA on defense, mm. and then EPA per play 124. Oh, it's man. weird because like I'm looking at the defensive stats, and I mean there's some there's some ball players on here that I recognize. You know, Kevin Woods is a good player. Yeah. Uh, Maz, is it Mazin Richards? Mazin Richards. He was a outside linebacker that gave you to say a lot of problems last year. Uh, believe an FCS or D two transfer. Mm-hmm. Um, he's got seven tackles for loss, two sacks on the year, mm-hmm. eight quarterback hits. Roderick Brown's good player. Rich Tahad is still there. Rich Tahad is still there. Yeah. yeah. So I mean, they lost a lot. They they got hit really hard on the defensive side of the ball through the portal last year, and I think the year before that as well. But uh, I don't know. It seems like they have enough talent on defense that they should be serviceable. Although I do think I recall that. For the, their coordinator, they went and got the, like the cornerbacks coach at Iowa State, I think it was, and I don't think that guy had any experience as a coordinator. And uh, he tried to move them to a four-man front from a three-man front, and they just didn't really have the personnel to run that scheme. I think they did switch back to a three-man front later in the season. I'm not sure where they're at right now, um, but I think it just kind of goes to show that they don't really have the personnel on the roster that the coordinator wants uh, from his you know, scheme preference, uh, which is always difficult for defense. If you're a great coordinator, you can overcome that. But an uh, inexperienced one, I think we'll we'll struggle with it. And that's kind of showing out um, so far this year. See how it goes. Yeah, if anyone's got a personal vendetta for, in this game, it's definitely going to be Rich Tejada. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he came out there really. Uh, yeah, he got clowned on by UTSA last year. Yeah, man. Yeah, definitely his worst so. game from what I remember. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And um Man, they got a couple of freshmen on defense that are that are playing surprisingly well. Yeah, yeah. And, and maybe Jaden and, Anderson. Yep, um, Ethan Wislowski, linebacker. Uh, and and maybe this is you know part of why the the defense isn't quite where they need to be. It looks like they've got a lot of underclassmen on there, a lot of youth. Interesting, trying to come up a little bit too. Yeah, I, it, it was uh, tough for me to see uh Javen Anderson playing so well as a freshman because I really wanted UTSA to get him really bad. Mm. And uh, I know UT fans feel the same way when they see Jamori Robinson out there and they see Devin McEwen out there. So it makes the rivalry a lot more fun. I do like that angle of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so, Adrian, score prediction. Ooh, buddy. You know, Vegas uh, also thinks this is going to be a tight one. With the, uh, I think the opening line was was eight points. Yep, was first release. So a one possession contest. I don't think you can expect anything less than that. Whenever these two teams play, I haven't checked the weather forecast. It didn't. I don't know how cold. It's, it's not good. Be. Like there's rain in the forecast for sure. Ooh, ooh. How cold is it going to be though? I think that's 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 critical. Right. If it's- this cold front sticks around and it's over there, you know that doesn't go in UTSA's direction. However. Considering the line of scrimmage trouble that UNT has been having, UTSA should be able to take advantage of that in all of the worst ways for UNT. Adrian, before you give your score prediction, I do want to correct myself in that the weather forecast has cleared up. There is no rain in the forecast, a low of 57, perfect football weather. Oh, we can handle that. Please continue. Please handle that. Upper 50s, give that to me. 2 p.m., middle of the day kickoff. Yeah, line of scrimmage gets dominated by UTSA. And due to that, 
we have a fantastic game on offense. We have a fantastic game blowing up the backfield. Taylor Rogers been really, really good protecting the football. I don't know if UTSA is going to, you know, get a bunch of turnovers on Saturday, but I do know it's going to be a back and forth one. It's going to get chippy. I think UTSA pulls out their first win in Denton in a decade, just shy of a decade, about two weeks early of a decade. Mm. In 37 to 31 fashion, Roadrunners. I think that's a pretty big testament to Chandler Rogers that you said that UTSA is going to dominate in the trenches and still only win by that narrow of a margin. Because you only do that if you got a great quarterback. And he is a good one. They've been um, scoring the I'm, points, man. They've been scoring the points. Yeah. Um, I, I, I'm pretty similar to you. I'm picking UTSA to win like 40 to 35 or something like that. Like a win, but not a cover. And mm-hmm. the reason I'm yep. picking them is, is just because I think UTSA's defense has like one or two more stops in them than North Texas does. Um, the way they lost against Memphis last week has got to be, oh man, demoralizing for a defense for sure. And, uh, they're going to see a really good offense this week. So, um, I, I think UNT is going to make this one really close back and forth, great football. Uh, but I just feel like at, somewhere along the way, UTSA is going to get those couple stops that they need, um, to, to win this one, but not win it comfortably. You said something in our in our guest appearance with Sonoe Valente and the Mean Green Show, which uh, keep your guys keep your eyes open, guys. That should be releasing Wednesday. Um, Trey Moore is worth a touchdown by himself, and uh, I think that pass rush right there—that's the difference maker in this one possession yeah. spread game. Yeah. Oh, is is that too bold of a take of me to say that Trey Moore is worth a touchdown? We were just talking about how he's a second day draft pick and yeah. how there's and how there's the four games remaining on the schedule. And he set a program record two right. thirds of the way through the schedule, Jared. No, it's not a crazy take at all. It's not a crazy take right. at all. And especially against a bad offensive line. So UTSA's interceptions have been a direct result of of havoc being caused by Trey. Sure. Sure. All right, we'll wrap it up on that. We got more coming this week. Like Adrian said, we did a guest appearance on the Mean Green Show with Sonoe Valente, which is always a blast. I'm sure a lot of you guys have been watching those for a while. Uh, that will be coming out later this week. We'll post it on our site as well. Uh, Adrian, is it too soon to reveal our guest on uh, this week's bonus episode? It's rivalry week, baby. These people are juiced up. We got to give it to them. This one is big. Hometown hero. Well... A favorite, a UTSA favorite. Hometown anti-hero. Hometown anti-hero. <laughs> yes. Bah, 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 bah. Of Denton, Texas, the great Josiah Tawaefa will be joining the podcast this week to talk the rivalry, to talk Denton and UNT Mean Green versus UTSA. And I'm sure we will revisit the infamous leap over the line of scrimmage on the Blackbird oh. uniform day. That may have been, Jared, the, the initial, you know, really spurring of the rivalry getting to another That's, level. I was going to say the same thing. I really think Josiah as a person and a player, but that play in particular, like catapulted this rivalry into what it is today. We're going to ask Josiah about it. I'm pumped. He, he is, without a doubt, he is single-handedly responsible for upping 
the degree of this rivalry for sure. I still remember the go me and green post when Josiah committed to UTSA and the meltdown oh, that happened on their message boards, man. It was, it was awesome. Awesome. Oh my gosh. So yeah, we'll, we will be posting that one on our main Republic of football podcast feed. We would hate to keep a killer interview like that behind the paywall, but you will get early access to it. If you're a Patreon subscriber, uh, probably by a couple of days. So Great time to sign up for Patreon as always. And thank you to our big money donors who continue to support us, including Ben Tovar, The Bunch Family, Zach Espericueta and the San Antonio Podcast Network, The Fikes Family, Alejandro Benavides, Dan Nerdall, host of Around the Birdbath. And Dan has got some killer stuff lined up for you guys. Stay tuned for some awesome baseball coverage coming up. Um, got some surprises in the works. It's going to be awesome. Shout out to Jacob Cavazos, board president for the UTS Alumni Association, Maddie and Mandy, Jenna and Andy Enzadua, Rick Cortez of Red Road Killers, and Homefield Apparel, where you can use discount code UTSA once Homefield to get 15% off your first purchase. So thank you guys all so much for rocking with us this week. Go hit us up on social media. Follow us on Instagram, man. Adrian's been putting the work in on Instagram. Appreciate that. Uh, also keep in mind our Dedos Muertos collection and the shop is live, and we are actually going to pull that one. It's a limited time offering in two, two weeks. weeks. Two, two weeks, weeks, exactly. Mm-hmm. Two weeks. It, it is some great stuff. Definitely some of our best products we've dropped on the shop so far. Um, so check that out and much more in the works over here at Alamo Audible HQ. Thank you guys for listening, subscribing, following along. And we'll see you guys on uh, that episode with uh, Josiah later this week. <laughs>